I'll do my thing now. Thanks, Giannis. Uh, cool. Well, I'll look around, see actually a few faces that I are new to me, anyway. And yeah, I'm Brandon, as he said, and um, I'm the service pastor here for Church at Five. That's where you are right now, if you were wondering. And this is the English service, so if you're wondering why there's no translation or no German, we do everything in English here at five o'clock. And uh, as he also mentioned, we're currently in our series, uh, Lord, that we started actually last week, Lord, teach us to pray. And this comes to us from Luke 11. This is, it's not just uh, didn't my idea or my words, it's uh, from the Bible, and it comes from us comes to us from Luke 11, one of the disciples makes this request to Jesus himself, Lord, teach us to pray. And then Jesus gives his answer, and what we looked at last week is what we call the Lord's Prayer, which we just sang uh, the song before last. And the reason for this title of our series, Lord, teach us to pray, is that I believe prayer is absolutely vital and essential to our Christian life, more so than I think we often comprehend. It tends to get pushed by the wayside a lot in our lives. Other things kind of fill up the space, but this is absolutely essential to our Christian life, to our relationship with God, and to seeing God's work done in our lives, and not just in our lives, but through us in the way that in the way that we are meant to affect those around us. All of this happens through prayer. It's so essential. Prayer is like our nervous system, right? So I can have, it doesn't matter how strong my muscles are or how intelligent I am, if they're not connected, something's missing. It's all completely useless without the nervous system that allows everything to communicate. And God, for whatever reason he decided, in his infinite wisdom, chose prayer to be the means to which he works in our lives and through our lives. It's where his power is really comes into our existence, is through prayer. So it's absolutely essential. He is our source of life and our strength and our wisdom. We're his vessels here on the earth, and we need to be filled up, and that happens through prayer. We're to be the salt and light to the world. We must be connected to that source. This connection is the key to all parts and all aspects of our Christian life. Our personal growth something that we all strive for. We all want to see personal growth. We want to become better. We want to grow personally. It can't happen when we're not connected to our Creator. Just as my muscles can't grow if they're no longer connected to my body or not connected to the brain. Great works of God, the things that we want to see God do in and through our lives, can't be done through us without being connected in our prayer life to God. Now, God can and does still work in our lives, right, through sanctification and and things like that, through the power of the Holy Spirit, thankfully by His grace. But we won't ever know our true potential. We won't even come close to having a clue of what God could really do through us if we don't have a vibrant prayer life. 
And what we see in Luke 11, in the disciples' request, Lord, teach us to pray, is that prayer is not something either you have or you don't have. Maybe you think, yeah, I've, I tried to pray. I'm just not good at it. I just, it's not for me. I don't know. I just, I'm not a prayer. I don't know. It shows us that it's not something you either have or don't have, but something we can be taught, something we can work on, something we can seek to perfect in our lives. We can become better. We can be, have a more vibrant prayer life. We can cultivate this in our lives. That's, a good, that's good news because I'm not satisfied with my prayer life Maybe you're thinking, I pray 23 hours a day. I don't need any more help in prayer. You've come to the wrong service. I'm sorry. I still, I want to get better in my prayer life. So I'm encouraged that this isn't where it ends. We can continue to grow in that. So our cry today, we cry to God through this service, through this series, is the same as what the disciples cried to him in Luke 11, Lord, teach us how to pray. We know that it matters. We see that it's essential. We know that it's important. So please teach us, help us, guide us to become better prayers. Timothy Keller says it this way, and I really like this, on, on the importance of prayer, which is where I got a lot of this ideas for this series, by the way. He wrote a book on prayer. I highly, highly recommend. He goes much deeper than we'll have time to get into in this series. But he says this, imagine that you go to the doctor and you're diagnosed with a disease. And the doctor says, it's, it's fatal. There's nothing we can do except give you this pill. And as long as you take this pill every single day, you'll be okay. You'll live. You can live a normal life. But if you miss even once, you'll die immediately. If you miss it one day, that's it. Would you forget to take that pill? Would it be like, ah, I've got other things to do. Would you be too busy to take it? Would you get distracted? Probably not. Because you'd want to live. <laughs> it's too important to forget. Well, prayer is that important. And really, even more important than that. Because prayer doesn't just sustain us. It's not just something that keeps us alive or keeps us from dying, but it produces life in us and through us. So it's not just a sustainer, but a life giver. It's that important. And yet so often we just forget. We just push it to the side. Last week we went through the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. And I started off by explaining that Prayer is like this house that we're building in order to commune and spend time with God as our Father, right? It's this kind of space we're building. This, our prayer life becomes this kind of space that we exist with God and connect to God in. And to each and every one of us, it will look completely different, right? Because I'm very different than Giannis, for instance. And every one of us, I look around, there's a lot of different faces here, a lot of different cultures, a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different ways of thinking. We've got artists in here and we have scientists in here. I'm just saying. It's all over the spectrum. And how it's going to look to each and every one of us is very different and unique. And that's awesome. It's a beautiful thing. Prayer is, is something that's unique to us. It's a personal thing. The language we use, the way we express ourselves is unique to our individual design and creation. But before we can get to the personal touches of our prayer life, we need to have a foundation. 
to build it on. And that's what Jesus gives us in the Lord's Prayer. And that's what we looked at last week. And so I would humbly and yet honestly encourage you to please, if you weren't here last week, listen to that message. We won't have time to recap what we talked about. It's very, a lot to say on the Lord's Prayer. And um, we tried to pack it into one message. So I encourage you, if you missed it, to listen to it on the podcast uh, or on the website. So today, though, we want to keep building on what we started last week, building on this foundation. We have this amazing foundation in the Lord's Prayer, but the Lord's Prayer is just that, right? It's a foundation. It's a template for us to work with, to help us to understand the framework for communicating with God, especially God as our Father, right? That's how the prayer starts, our Father. But it's not meant to be a restriction. It's not meant to hold us back. It's not the whole of what prayer is meant to be. It's something that we're meant to build on. That's why Jesus, when he gives us the Lord's Prayer, he says, pray like this. Not only this, but pray like this. And I thought about this. What do we need to know then about prayer? Where do we go from there? Where do we go after the foundation we built on the Lord's Prayer? And I'll be honest, I wrestled with this a lot all week. What is the next thing to talk about? What's most important? What do I want you guys to know? And late last night, maybe later than I'd like to admit, I finally came to this point where I said, okay, I'm gonna, I asked myself this question. Forgetting everything I know, everything I've learned about prayer, personally, what is most important to me? And what I mean by that is not just like what what is my personal opinion of what matters, but in my experience. In my experience, what mattered most? What had the greatest impact in my understanding or connected with my understanding that helped my prayer life? And immediately what came to mind was communion with God. Communion with God. Really grasping this concept that that's what it's all about. It's all about communion with God. Desiring God, it's an organization. If you've never heard of it, you can look it up. They define prayer this way, and I I quite like this. It says, prayer is the open admission that without Christ, we can do nothing. Prayer is an expression of faith in God's power, fueled by a desire for more of him. I really like this. There's a lot of ways we could describe prayer, but I like this one. Because it really brings everything to this head. It's all centered. It's all focused on what? A desire. The reliance on Jesus, vital for prayer. You can't come, we talked about that last week, you can't go to call him, call God Father. You can't pray to God without Jesus. We always have to pray through Jesus, right? We need that. The reliance on Jesus, the expression of faith in God's power, knowing it's all from him, Right? It goes nowhere, though, without the fuel that ignites the engine that moves everything ever forward in our life. And that is a desire for communion, fellowship, relationship with God our Father. It's all fueled by that desire to want to be with Him. That's what moves it forward. And I want to make this the center point of the message today. 
And my desire, my hope, is that all of you, all of us, would have a deeper longing to know God more intimately, to know God more intimately, and to be known by him more completely through our prayer life. That communion with God would be this center point of everything else. Now to do this, we're going to have two focuses for communion with God that I want to, I want to take two approaches. The first thing we're going to do, because all prayer is communion with God, right? All prayer is communion with God. Otherwise, you're just kind of talking to yourself, right? We want to pray to God. All prayer is communion with God. We will explore briefly a few types of prayer to better see how they fit into and are fueled by a desire to know him and be known by him. There are many types of prayer that we could talk about. We're just going to look at a few. The second thing we'll do after that is we'll look at, I'll give you four practical ways to cultivate a better communion with God. Something you can actually do, hopefully, this week. How many of you were here last week? And, the, and last week you went through the Lord's Prayer in your own words. I see a couple hands. Good for you. The rest of you, just kidding. The rest of you can do it this week. After you listen to the message again. All right, let's get going. Types of prayer. Now, as I mentioned, we're going to go through just a few types. There are some, these are, I, I, I see these as some of the more common and fundamental forms of prayer, really kind of boiled down. And there are certainly more that we could explore, and I hope to, maybe in the next, uh, in our last week of this prayer series. Before we dive in, I'm going to look at each of these fairly briefly, but I'm also going to, we're going to be going through them individually, and I just want you to note that all types of prayer, when actually prayed, are intermixed. So we're going to look at these types of prayer, but when we actually pray, they're intermixed. We can pray in one sentence a prayer of praise and adoration, thanksgiving and petition, all just in one solid statement, praying that to our mighty God and Father, who is holy and worthy. We can pray with our whole heart that we thank him for his grace to bring us through our day yesterday and by his will granting us the grace for today. So there you have petition, you've got thanksgiving, you've got uh, adoration, all in a sentence. So there's, all of these things are, are always going to be, almost always, be intermixed, and I believe they should be in our prayer life. And at times, well, but at the, at the same time, I, I also see that it's a prudent thing when we're actually looking at them, to look at each of them individually, so that when you pray, when you spend time with God, when you commune with God, you're more aware of the role that each of these play in helping us to better commune with him. So let's look at the first one. Adoration and praise. 1 Peter 1.8 Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not know, now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. What Peter is describing here is an inexpressible joy that we experience through communion with God our Father. Just 
in that moment of being with him. Do you experience that in your prayers? Is that the way he describes it? It's not something that should be this great moment that's like, you know, you write in your journal because it's never happened before. This is the norm. This is the normal. This is what we should be experiencing when God is our aim, when adoration and praise and glorifying him is our goal because we just want to be near him. From this, we receive this inexpressible joy in his presence. It's fueled from our love and desire for him. Now I start here with adoration because this is the most important part of any prayer. Everything we thank God for, everything we ask God for, every burden that we bring to him must first come out of our love and adoration for him. If you've ever been in a relationship, I'm married... I certainly, it's not, it's not just about everything you can get out of it, right? You need to bring something into it. And when we really enjoy someone's presence, just being with them is enough, isn't it? Just loving them. That should be amplified with God more than anything we experience in any human relationship must come first out of our love and adoration for him. There's nothing greater, honestly, that God can give us than simply to know him and be known by him. That is his greatest gift to us. This is not the end, or not the means to an end. This is the end. Meaning, I don't praise God, I don't go ahead and start with some glorifying God or God, you're great, you're mighty so that he's more, a little bit kinder and looks a little bit nicer on me when I get to my requests. I want to spend time with him. I want to love him. I want to lift him up. Loving him is the goal. When we bring praise and adoration into every aspect of our communion with God through prayer, no matter what we are facing in our lives, we will experience inexpressible joy. Now, in addition to the personal side of praising and loving God because we simply want to, we also have to note that God deserves it. Revelation 4.11, Worthy are you, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So if you're having trouble remembering who God is, you can take a step back and be like, this is creator God of all things. He is worthy to be praised, worthy to be lifted up. And God has desire, this God, Lord of lords, King of kings, creator of all things, desires to know you personally, to have a real personal relationship with you, the creator of all things, worthy to be glorified for eternity, loves you. Make every prayer centered around glorifying and loving and exalting God. 
if he is the goal to know him better, in this you will receive joy in his presence. It won't be about simply bringing the things you need from him, but just being with him. From adoration, I think the clear next point is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Every breath we take, every scent to our name, our health, our friends, our family, we have at least a hundred things to be thankful for in any given moment. God's grace is lavished on us. And I think this we all know, right? We can, okay, yeah, there are definitely things I can be thankful for in my life. But I also want to remind you to not just thank him for the good things, but to give, him, give thanks to God in all things. In James 1, 2, it says, Count it all joy. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. When things are not going well, when you're facing a hardship, when you're facing difficulty, count it joy. We can have thanks to God even when things aren't going the way we want them to. Bringing our thanksgiving to God and our communion with him keeps us centered. It reminds us that he is our provider, that we trust him as our father, even when we don't really see why things are working out the way they are. I've seen this many, many times in my life. I'll give you a little bit of a less intense one. When I first moved to Germany, I, I, I uh, helped plant a church, and I, was, uh, I had a bass that I had since I was young, and I, I'm kind of a bass player like first. I was like, it's like my first calling. Pastoring is kind of a, a side job. No, I'm just kidding. Just something about me. I love, I love playing bass, and I loved this bass very, very much. It was a GNL tribute for people who know about guitars. It's a very nice space. And pretty quick when I moved here to help plant a church, it was stolen. And I was like, uh, God, I'm here to do things for you, and you couldn't protect my bass? What's the deal? I was upset. But I learned after some time and I came to a point where I said, God, I'm so thankful that that was taken from me. I care too much about it. I'm so thankful that you helped me to just change my perspective on my life through something bad. And God didn't make that happen. He didn't like inspire the person to take my base. But he showed me how to be thankful for it. It took years, but I eventually got to the point where I could say, thank you, God. It was last week, actually. Just kidding. It's only, only nine years. It only took nine years. Hopefully it doesn't take you so long. I don't think you guys understand how much I love that bass. We want to be thankful. And really, when we have this thankfulness, this kind of mindset of thankfulness, when we come into our prayer life and our communion with God, it changes our perspective. I can always come to a point of the grace I've received in my salvation. And nothing else can compare, not even that base. Nothing can pale. No relationship, no amount of money, no possession can compare to what I have through 
my relationship that I've been graciously given by the work of Jesus Christ. So that's how I can be thankful even when things aren't going well, even when things are hard, even when my week is like, feels like someone's beating me with a baseball bat. I can still find a way to say, God, thank you in the midst of this hardship because I know I have something that surpasses that. I have a peace in my heart through Christ that surpasses my understanding of my situations. We can thank him. It's easy for us to get stuck right in the here and now in our problems, our worries, our fears. But change your mindset, change your heart to this thankfulness toward God. To see how he's working all things out for good in your life, even when you don't see it. In your communion with God, learn to say thank you. Don't start with, I need. Learn to be thankful in your time, in your communion with God. Not just in the words you say, but in the mindset, the worldview, the lens through which you see the world around you. No matter what your experiences are, you know you have something greater within you to be thankful for. So after thankfulness, I think the next thing we should look at is repentance and confession. This is a fun one. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So communion with God is also about complete openness and vulnerability before him. Yes, he already knows everything you've done. He knows everything you're going to do this week even. But he calls us to confess it, to come to him with the things that we've done wrong. And the forgiveness is already there waiting to be poured out onto us. Tell him everything that you know that you've done wrong. And I'll tell you from experience, as you do, he also kind of reveals things you didn't even know you were doing wrong. Because we're a bit blind to our own sin sometimes. And it feels like a sting to bring our sins to God. But trust me, you'll never regret that, no matter what it is that you've done wrong. Because the forgiveness of God is always sweeter than any bitterness that sin can produce. His forgiveness is always sweeter than any bitterness that sin can produce in your life. So go to him. Confess your faults to God. When we do, it creates a deeper sense of intimacy with him. I'm not trying to put on my best face before God. I'm showing God who I really am. And by confessing, I'm stating that I know only he can offer me true forgiveness, true peace, true grace, that sweetness that comes through the redemption that his forgiveness brings. So I encourage you, in your prayer time, in your communion with God, confess. Don't say, well, he already knows. God, you know what I did. It's important to say, God, forgive me for this. Forgive me for when I did this. 
It's for you that he asks you to do that, not for him. So I encourage you to do that. The next would be supplication and petition. This is the one that we all know about. Asking God for things, either for ourselves or for others. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. So we still see thanksgiving connected there. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And I want to encourage you that there's nothing too big for God. You've probably heard that before in some way or another. But try and wrap your brain around it. There's nothing too big for God. Whatever your problem is, not just yours, but when you're praying for other people, when you're praying for the world, when you're praying for things, there's nothing too big for God. But I also want to remind you, there's nothing too small. Oh, God doesn't care about that. Oh, God doesn't care about how I get nervous before I have a test. Or God doesn't really care about this relationship or whatever. It's too small. God, there's nothing too big. There's also nothing too small that you can't bring to God. How many of you were worried about something this week? I was. A couple of you. Almost every hand has gone up. Did you pray about it? How long did you dwell on it first? How long did you let yourself be anxious and worried before you went to God with it? Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't, it doesn't say, well, let yourself be anxious for like a day and a half, then finally bring yourself to pray about it, then slowly let that anxiousness kind of fade away over time, which is what is more common in the way we actually do it. Don't be anxious. Pray about it. There's a really great YouTube video for that. Pray about it. You can check that out yourself. Don't be anxious about anything, but pray. Let your request be known to him. There's nothing too big, nothing too small. When God is a part of our daily life, he's the first thought that comes into our mind when we have a struggle or a trouble, right? So it, it kind of goes back to that wanting to spend time with him, that adoration and, and wanting to be close to him, that thankfulness, that worldview. It's all connected, right? But don't let this one slip away. Don't let yourself become anxious. Build that communion with God so that you don't have to struggle with anxiety. You can bring it to him immediately. You know, my wife knows when I struggle with something, she knows everything. How much more should God know everything? God is always my first to go to when I have a struggle. I encourage you. It's good to have friends that you can go to. That's a good thing. But man, make sure God's number one. You don't let that anxiety build up as it tends to do. And also, when it comes to petition, we want to pray for others through intercessory, intercess, intercessory prayer and petition. In James 5, 16... He says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. So we want to, there's also some, a lot you could say about that, but pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Has great power as it is working. So there's power. 
power in praying for one another. Power in praying to God. And I want to encourage you that through Christ, we are made righteous. So if you think, well, I'm not, I'm not very righteous. I don't know. I'm not a righteous person. Well, good thing there's somebody who is that stands between you and God. And that's Jesus Christ. And if that's so, then we can pray expecting. We can pray expecting, not... Please, God, if you have time, please think about me. It's not that important, but... Man, that's, there's no power in that. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Do you believe that? You should. Not, I didn't say it. The Bible, it's in the Bible. So whether it's requests for your own needs, right, as we talked about last week, our daily bread or the needs of those close to you, maybe those that God puts on your mind as you're praying through the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's your church. Maybe it's your church leaders. Please pray for them. Maybe it's your city. Maybe it's the lost of the world. That those who haven't heard the gospel, when you pray for anything, pray expecting. Not only because you are righteous and and have that power through Christ, but also because God is our Father. In Matthew 7, 7 through 11, he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. So if you're not asking, probably not why you're not receiving. And to the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Oh, which of you, if his son asks for bread... Will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? We can ask him. We can ask him. And remember, there really is nothing too big or too small, but you'll. Get that better when you're building this commune with God. So, those are some of the types of prayer that I want you to consider. Now I want to leave you today with four practical ways to cultivate better communion with God. These are some practical things that I would encourage you to start doing this week if you're not already doing it. Number one, number one, be on purpose. Be on purpose. And what I mean is make time. Meet regularly with God. If you have any good friends, if you're in a relationship, you need to make time for them, right? You can't just, well, when I think about it, I'll just do it. You have to make time. Put it in your calendar. Have a regular part of your day or your week or both where you make time to spend alone, alone with God. In Matthew 6, 5, this is right after the Lord's prayer. Sorry, right before the Lord's prayer when he's talking about teaching them to pray. He says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray... Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in heaven or who is in secret, 
and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, of course, he's not saying don't ever pray in the open, right? We don't want to be ashamed to pray. That's not what he's talking about. But are you making private time for just you and God? Are you making time for just you and God? And I like this quote, but I can't remember where I read it, so I'm going to tell you it, but I can't tell you who said it. It says, who you are on your knees before God, that you are and nothing more. It's one of my favorite quotes. It's actually talking about pastors. The quote goes on. Who you are on your knees before God, that you are and nothing more. When we strip away everything else and we go before God, this is where the deepest connection takes place. We're not trying to be anything. We're not trying to look a certain way. What are you praying then? What does your prayer look like then? Is God the center point? Do you just want to be with him? We are in fellowship with a loving Father. And as in any relationship, purposeful time together is essential. Are you making time for God daily in your life? And I really would encourage you, a lot of great writings on prayer have all said, you should pray in the morning and you should pray in the evening. Let your day start and end with prayer. And I'll confess, I'm still working on that. I do have to get up at work to go to work at five in the morning, so getting up in the morning early enough to pray is hard, not saying it's an excuse. It's doable, but I struggle, not a morning person by nature, so I just want to confess that to you. But I do really encourage you to try and make that time. And what I do also is I also take a time in my week, usually Fridays or Saturdays, where I take and I go on like an hour, hour and a half walk to just spend time with God, just to pray to him, to spend time with him, to tell him how much I love him, to just enjoy being in his presence, to bring to him the things that are on my heart, the struggles, my anxieties. And I want to encourage you to do that. And there is some flexibility here, right? I, you're like, oh, this sounds really rigid. I don't know, man. Sounds like religion. But I want to, if we're being honest with each other, no plan usually means no prayer. <laughs> We're not, in prayer, I said this last week, prayer is a natural part of our existence, but it does not come naturally. We're always going to lean away from it. It's not, you know what I mean? There's, especially now, you know what I mean? Like I've got my, I just need to check Instagram first. Oh, cool, got some new likes, that's good. Oh, wait, what was I doing? Oh, it's going to pray. And then we try again, and then, Ah, but what about Facebook? I didn't check Facebook yet. We are going to always tend to go away from it. So being purposeful is a good thing and making that time. And I want to just encourage you, those of you who are like, I don't know, this sounds a little bit religious. Being on purpose and making time and putting it in your schedule is not less spiritual. It's not less spiritual. It just shows that pursuing God means that much to you. It means that much to you that it's worth putting in your calendar. You put your other things in your calendar. Are they more important? Oof. All right, we won't go there. Put it in your calendar. Put an alarm on your phone. There's a lot of cool things we can use with technology. Utilize it. 
so that you don't forget to make time for God, especially in that quiet, alone time with Him. Number two, number two, don't forget to listen. Don't forget to listen. When it comes to communion with God, don't forget to listen. Now, when we talk about listening to God, there are a few things that we may mean. And I'll just point out that, yes, God can speak to us through, I believe, through leading and through kind of a leading of the Holy Spirit, through impressions we might have in our hearts and maybe gives us a peace about something or that. That, I believe, does happen. And yes, God may use a friend to speak to you. He'll use your pastor to speak into your life, I hope. He'll use your family. He'll use your friends. There's a lot of ways that God will speak to us, but the number one way that God speaks to us, and by far the most trustworthy, because all of those other things can definitely go wrong, is God speaks to us through his word. Through his word. Because it's his word. I feel like it's right there in the title. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All scripture is breathed out by God. It's his word. So if you want to hear him speak, there's a whole book of his words. I, starting our prayer time with God's word will prepare, will prepare us and open us up to whom it is that we are praying to. I thought about this, actually, this is a weak analogy, bear with me. But like, if you ha- I, sometimes I talk to like, some friends from the States and I haven't heard from them in a long time. And you kind of go back and you like, look at the last emails. You're like, all right, I got to like, remember who this person is a little bit and know how to interact with them. Maybe you like, scroll back on the, the last few messages on WhatsApp kind of prepares you for who you're going to be talking to. It's like that, but of course it's more than that, because the Bible is not simply something that God said long ago, and he said it once and it's done. He actively is speaking through his word today. It's alive, it's active, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, the word it says, it describes itself. It's words can truly cut to your heart and speak healing truth to your very soul. It is the word of God. It has to be. It's what we base everything we believe on in. On this God's word. So reading his word is important and I encourage you to do it before your time, your quiet time of prayer. Maybe just read a psalm Not just like quickly, all right, done. But actually read it slowly. Think about what it means. Let it speak to your heart. It will prepare you for your prayer time powerfully. Reading his word also broadens your prayer vocabulary. My son is almost two years old and something that we we know about toddlers learning to speak is that they only have the vocabulary that they've heard. Right? So, if I don't speak to my son, there's actually some really dark experiments done during World War II where they like, had babies that they didn't talk to and they died. But if you don't speak to a child, they don't communicate with them at all, they have no vocabulary to use back to you. 
When we read the Bible, we're hearing God speak to us. And this gives us new ways to communicate back to him. So I encourage you again, meditate on his word as you enter into your prayer times. Use his own words back to him. God is not offended if you remind him of his promises to you. If you remind him of the things that he said. And number three, so don't forget to listen. Number three, pray continuously. Pray continuously. So we want to plan purposeful alone time with God. That's important. But we also want to be ready for spontaneity in our prayer life. We want to always be ready. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, pray without ceasing. Seems a little excessive. I mean, how on earth are we supposed to pray without ever stopping? I mean, I got to eat and sleep sometimes. I need to like have normal human conversations with other people. I can't just be praying everything I say all the time. What does it mean? Well, pray without ceasing. We also, he uses this same word in a different place in Romans, and we can easily assess that it's not saying don't ever stop praying like with every single breath, but it basically just means pray often, pray repeatedly. In other words, pray a lot. We'll simplify it. Pray a lot. And I'll add, always be ready to pray. Pray without ceasing means always being ready to pray. Now is always a good time to pray. Anytime, any place, being ready and willing to speak to God. I believe this comes out of that quiet time, that alone time with God, when we have that intimate space we spend with Him. Through this, we create this purpose, this, through this purposeful time with God, it changes our worldview so that we automatically want to go to Him. We automatically want to jump to Him, no matter what's going on, right? With whether everything is going well or not well, He is our go-to. First Chronicles 16.11 says, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. That's the point, right? Going back to, it's not about what I can get out of prayer. It's Him I'm after. Seeking to be in His presence. Maybe you're just having a really awesome, exciting day. And you're like, man, this day is just awesome, God. I just want to tell you about it. We can also pray those prayers. We don't have to only come with the bad stuff. Praying continually is also having a readiness to pray for others. When someone brings us their troubles, we can say, hey, let's pray about it. Let's pray together. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in its power to work in your situation. Let's pray about it. Let's bring it to God. When you're at work and your boss is being a jerk to you, you don't have to focus on them and how much you just can't stand them. Pray for them. Maybe not like, you know, lay hand, I just need to lay hands on you right now. That might, I don't know how that will work out for you. If you try it, tell me how it goes. But you can pray for them in your heart. 
So being, praying continually is praying, man, I see, I see this situation I'm facing, I could pray right now. I don't need to dwell on this, how this boss is driving me crazy or this person is driving me crazy or whatever it might be. I can pray for them instead. You know, pray for those who hurt you. Pray for those who come against you. In all things, we can be ready to pray. Praying without ceasing is really about having God be so integrated into every moment of your life that he is the true love of your life. He's your best friend. He's your father. You're everything. So of course, you're going to go to him no matter what you're facing. And God is always listening. Even when we don't sense that he is, which can be the case sometimes. But 1 Peter 3.12, another promise we can remind God of. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. He hears you. Right? Again, it is through Jesus Christ that we are the righteousness of God, not through me. And on that promise, I can say, God, even though I don't sense you right now, I know you hear me. I know your ears are attentively listening to what I'm saying to you. Whatever we bring to God in prayer, he is always listening to every word. And number four, I just, in connection with that, want to encourage you, it's okay to keep asking. Be faithful in your prayer life, even when you don't see the results right away. God's not annoyed to hear you pray the same things that you're struggling with over and over again, whether it's something personal or praying for maybe someone else in your life, praying for a loved one. Faithful, continual prayer is a good thing. And I want to encourage you to not give up now, there may be times when we need to let something go, right? For a while, I prayed that God would give me my base back. And he didn't. And I'm not saying that this is always how it works, but I did finally get to a point where I said, you know what, God? And I thanked him. I really was thankful, and I let it go. I said, you know what? I just, I let it go. And I, I hope that they learn to play bass, because I just have a feeling they don't know anything about bass, and that they're blessed by that bass somehow. And that you turn their life around. I really did pray for that person. And actually it was like literally like a week after that that somebody gave me a new base, which was cool. It was almost as nice as mine, but no. And it doesn't always work that way. But there are times when we need to maybe say, okay, I need to let this go, whatever it might be. Especially if it's like, you know, if you're praying like, God, I really want a Porsche, give me a Porsche. And maybe it might be a point in your life where you have to say, you know what, I need to let that go. A Toyota is fine, or whatever it might be. So there are things we need to let go, but there are other things that we don't want to let go. Praying for the salvation of those in our life, loved ones, friends, family, don't let that go. You pray for that all the days of your life, continually and faithfully. Even if you don't see the results, don't give up. It's okay to keep praying getting late. And I also want to encourage you, again, that we can remind him of his promises, that he does answer. In Mark eleven twenty four, it says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Bring God's promises back to him. 
He's not annoyed by hearing your prayers again and again and again. And by continually bringing things to him, we're saying, I ask you, I ask you to work in this situation, but I also know that I trust you more than I understand it myself. I trust in your timing. I trust in your sovereignty. Here's my request, but your will be done, as we talked about last week. Not my will, but yours be done, as Christ himself prayed as he faced the cross. Don't lose hope. Keep praying, keep believing, keep trusting, and keep expecting. I want to invite the band to come up as we prepare to close. And I just want to leave you guys as they come up with this application. Something to be thinking about. Maybe write some notes down right now as we do this last song or when you get home today. I want you to take some time today to focus on this idea, this communion with God as your main focus. And think about what types of prayer are maybe the weakest for you. What do you really need to focus on more? Are you always just bringing your needs to God and never thanking Him for things? Is there no thankfulness in your prayer life? Do you pray at church when everybody's around, but you make no alone time for Him? Change that. Is your prayer life about getting something or is spending time with God itself the ultimate goal? Think about the things that maybe you are struggling with in your prayer life and focus on them this week. And with this, I encourage you to think through what steps you can take and what you actually need to do, what alarms you need to set on your phone to see an improved connection with God, to have better communion with your Creator. Let's stand now and worship together.